Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Bob Levy. Bob is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about uh, executive overreach and selective enforcement of federal laws. Andrew Jopp is professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andrew will be joining us as well. It is May the 17th, and on this day in 1954, in a major civil rights victory, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down a unanimous decision in Brown versus the Board of Education of Topeka, ruling that racial segregation in public educational facilities is unconstitutional. The historic decision, which brought an end to federal tolerance of racial segregation, specifically dealt with Linda Brown, a young African-American girl who had been denied admission to her local elementary school in Topeka, Kansas, because of the color of her skin. In 1896, the Supreme Court ruled in Plessy v. Ferguson that separate but equal accommodations of railroad cars conform to the 14th Amendment's guarantee of equal protection under the law. That rule was uh, used to justify segregating all public facilities, including elementary schools. However, in the case of Linda Brown, the white school she attempted to attend was far superior to her black alternative and miles closer to her home. The NAACP took up Linda's case, and in 1954, Brown v. Board of Education Topeka reached the Supreme Court. African-American lawyer and future Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall led Brown's legal team, and on May the 17th, 1954, the High Court handed down its decision. In an opinion written by Chief Justice Earl Warren, the nation's highest court ruled that not only was there separate but equal doctrine unconstitutional in this case, but it was unconstitutional in all cases because education segregation stamped an inherent badge of inferiority on African-American students. A year later, after hearing, Supreme Ar- uh, hearing arguments of the implementation of this ruling, the Supreme Court published guidelines requiring public school systems to integrate with all deliberate speed. <clears throat> Brown versus Board of Education served to greatly motivate the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s and ultimately led to the abolishment of racial segregation in all public facilities and accommodations. So ironic right now that we're seeing racial identities coming full circle, certainly a nightmare uh, for Martin Luther King Jr. Well, polling shows that the majority of Americans uh, that'd be 59.2% of voters oppose raising the debt ceiling with and without there being some restrictions on government spending. The poll shows that 59% of voters are completely opposed to raising the debt ceiling, 22%, and say that the ceiling should only be raised if spending cuts are included, 37%. Similar to the uh, plan passed by the House of Representatives last month. However, there is still 40.8% who said the debt ceiling should be raised without there being any spending cuts. Notably, when broken down by political party for respondents, 90% of Republicans, 61% of independents, and 28.1% of Democrats say we would oppose raising the debt ceiling with or without there being some type of restrictions. So it looks like uh, <clears throat> when it comes to 
the debt ceiling. It looks like the people side with uh, the Republican Party and the proposal made by, uh, well, the law passed by uh, the Republicans, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and, and the Republican Party in the House. President Joe Biden is set for an eight-day trip to Asia starting Wednesday, even as the White House continues to grapple with unresolved negotiations with Congress re- regarding the debt ceiling. The deadline to address the ceiling is June the 1st. Failure to re- reach an agreement by then could result in the United States defaulting on its loans. Uh, just ask Janet Yellen. Biden's departure for Asia means there will only be a few days following his return to reach congressional consensus uh, and congressional uh, consensus with congressional leaders. Republican uh, Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene will introduce articles of impeachment against Federal Bureau of Investigation FBI Director Christopher Wray. Uh, And here's a quote from uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Under Wray's watch, the FBI has intimidated, harassed, and entrapped American citizens that have been deemed enemies of the Biden regime. As such, Director Wray has turned to the FBI and to Joe Biden and the Merrick Garland's personal police force. The Soviet-style tactics used by the FBI against normal Americans are unprecedented in this country. FBI whistleblower Garrett O'Boyle told congressional investigators that the FBI created a terrorist threat, uh, followed by the Dobbs Supreme Court decision in 2022. O'Boyle confirmed that the purpose of the tag was to target life indiv- uh, pro-life individuals. On September the 23rd, Armed FBI agents in tactical gear raided the house home of uh, Mark Houck, a pro-life Catholic and father of seven children because he obstructed access to an abortion clinic, Green's office said in a statement. FBI whistleblower Kyle Serafin obtained a leaked uh, FBI document that uh, targets traditional Latin mass Catholics. The document titled Racial or Ethically Motivated Violent Extremists and their interest in radical traditionalist Catholics, or RTCs, uh, was reported by the Richmond Field Office and dated for January 23, 2023. This leaked document outlined a plan for the FBI to spy on Catholics, particularly Latin mass-attending Catholics, who, according to the document, have harbored white supremacy. The FBI document uh, indicated intentions to have informants within the Catholic Church on advice from the Southern Poverty Law Center, the statement continued. Can you believe this? This is unbelievable. In October 2020, uh, a group of men allegedly attempted to kidnap Michigan Governor Greg uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Several of the men were acquitted uh, in their cases as the FBI was found to have entrapped them in, in the scheme. Most of the members involved with the plot were FBI informants, they added. In addition, she announced she would start impeachment proceedings against U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, Matthew Graves. So she wants to take out uh, uh, Ray, the uh, head of the FBI. And no, there's no question the uh, FBI has been, in my mind, the FBI has been weaponized. <clears throat> this is a different story. This uh, Matthew Graves, apparently he's cut of the cloth of Alvin Bragg in New York. He apparently focuses on arresting people because of January 6th, but doesn't uh, prosecute criminals who commit other crimes like uh Crimes like uh, stealing cars, carjacking, uh, robberies, murders, you name it. 
uh, which has gone way up in the District of Columbia. And Matthew Graves, of course, is uh, focusing instead on January 6th, people who've not committed grave crimes at all. So she's also bringing impeachment or articles of impeachment against Graves as well. And she says there's others that are coming. I certainly support <clears throat> both of these impeachment efforts. If nothing else, this is going to ha- help people understand in high office, <clears throat> whether elected or unelected, that you have to enforce the law. You have to abide by the mandates of the law if you're going to be a public servant. The, FBI, the attorney for the FBI intelligence analyst and whistleblower Marcus Allen told Congress his client is without a paycheck and sidelined from his job after questioning the accuracy FBI Director Christopher Wray's January 6th testimony during a Senate hearing. Now just let that settle in for a moment. This guy is putting his career at risk as a whistleblower, and now he's they're already starting to uh, punish him for, for doing this. On March the 21st, 2021, Ray testified before Congress, leaving the impression that FBI had not infiltrated groups such as Proud Boys who were in the January 6th riot. Uh, that led uh, Allen to tell his supervisors there's a good possibility the D.C. elements of our organization are not being forthright about the events of the day or the influence of government assets. Nothing could be truer. <clears throat> now he's out of a paycheck. That's not the way it's supposed to work. Whistleblowers are supposed to be protected. Well, one count in Cary Lake's Arizona 2022 gubernatorial election lawsuit will be heard in Maricopa County on Wednesday. The state, that would be today. The state Supreme Court ruled on Monday. Huge. Following Supreme Court ruling, Maricopa County Judge grants Cary Lake the opportunity to expose election fraud in the court. Carrie uh, uh, Lake posted on Twitter. Lake, a Republican, filed a lawsuit following her 2022 gubernatorial loss to Democrat Governor Katie Hobbs by about 17,000 votes, alleging uh, election misconduct. Of the seven counts claimed in the lawsuit, six were dismissed, but one was upheld Monday by Maricopa Superior Court Judge Peter A. Thompson, allowing the case to move forward and be heard Wednesday. That's today. Uh, Phoenix Televisions reported. The issue moving forward deals with the signature verification process and alleges the county accepted thousands of ballots uh, that poll workers rejected due to having mismatched signatures. According to the report, Lake is allegedly as many as 164,000 illegal votes were counted, an estimated 15 to 40 percent of ballots that signature verification workers said they rejected for mismatched signatures. Thompson ruled there's enough evidence for the case to be heard as a trial, the report said. Lawyers for Hobbs maintained Lake failed to show specific mail-in ballots were illegally counted, and the speculation of the signature verification workers does not prove a violation of law and misconduct. So they're going to the details here. According to the uh, court documents, Hobbs tried to argue that because she has been installed in the office of governor for several months, the litigation comes too late. No, too bad, Hobbs. Thompson, however, said that the ruling state does not place a time restraint on the issue to be heard in the court. The voters' verification count is just one of seven claims uh, her legal team put forth. But this one is the big one, and this is the one that counts. My hope is that this will be uh, adjudicated properly and that uh, there will be uh, perhaps a new election. 
uh, maybe to uninstall Hobbs and put uh, Kerry Lake in the position. I suspect there'll be a call for a new election because there's so much co- corruption here. And it may get to the Supreme Court. If that happens, that may open the door for litigation on uh, the election of Donald Trump in 2022. <clears throat> in response to uh, a Tuesday SOS from Governor Greg Abbott to fellow governors seeking to help the southern border, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was among the first to answer the call. He's sending over 1,000 personnel, including 800 National Guard troops, to help secure the Texas-Mexico border. Florida stands ready to help defend the southern border and is deploying assets to aid Texas border security crisis, he announced within an hour of Abbott's call on Tuesday. The impacts of Biden's border crisis are felt by communities across the nation, and the federal government abdicated uh, of duty determines the sovereignty of our country and the rule of law, he said. At my direction, state agencies, including law enforcement and the National Guard, are being deployed to Texas with assets including personnel, boats, and planes. And while Biden endorsed the crisis he created, Florida stands ready to help Texas respond to the crisis. Again, our governor rises to the occasion. Good for you, Governor DeSantis. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. 
Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Now we have with us Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted, like the Bob Harden Show, to free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you for that, Bob. Uh, so we're going to pick up our conversation. We're talking about executive overreach, specifically in the area of uh, selective enforcement of federal laws. And we we're talking about Obamacare. Uh, let's pick up on about handling pre-existing conditions. What's the situation there? Yeah, this was Obamacare's big claim, but you know, medical insurance premiums are paid uh, mostly by employers, not by patients. And because the patients don't bargain directly with the providers of health insurance, these corporate policies that most of us use, they aren't portable. And they don't guarantee um, renewed coverage when you switch jobs. And if you had that uh, guarantee, then that would largely alleviate the problem of pre-existing conditions. Take by comparison individual consumers of term life. They do bargain for guaranteed renewable coverage, and it applies even when they change jobs Mm -hmm. after they've become uh, sick. So our tax code is really the culprit here. The the employees don't have to report corporate medical coverage as taxable income, and the businesses get to deduct that cost as an ordinary expense. So that incentivizes businesses to pay the bills and not the employee to pay the bills. No equivalent deduction is available to individuals who buy their own health insurance. And so as a result, federal tax policy drives this wedge between the patient and the medical provider. Not only is there an insurance company that pays the doctor or the hospital, but there's also an employer that pays the insurance company. And the net result is that patients seldom monitor the cost of their medical care. And the cure, of course, is to allow patients to deduct the cost of medical insurance against their personal income tax, which would eliminate this incentive for employers to step in between the patient and the supplier. And it would encourage consumers to do what they do in just about every other market. They shop around for adequate and fair price service that would include guaranteed renewable coverage and handle the problem of pre-existing conditions. 
Certainly would. And as I recall, you correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I believe this whole idea of having the employer pay for health insurance was part of a workaround during FDR's administration. He wanted to have a, a wage freeze. And so employers are saying, well, how can we attract good, good people who, to come to our company if we can't re increase wages? And so they started creating fringe benefits like health insurance. Exactly right. And this is another indication of unintended <clears throat> Uh, consequences. You have a, a problem that you try to fix and it creates another problem and now we're stuck with uh, how, trying to f resolve this pre-existing conditions issue. Yeah, exactly. In other words, dealing with the symptoms rather than the cause. Yeah. So how about federal marijuana laws? I mean, we know the federal government has, uh, there's laws against uh, the use of marijuana in the United States, but it seems like <laughs> everybody's just ignoring them. <clears throat> yeah, the, uh, the Justice Department um, under Obama originally, essentially uh, ordered all U.S. attorneys not to enforce these uh, federal marijuana laws. And that might have been a smart move politically. Mm -hmm. uh, voters in a lot of states, if you know, have, have legalized medical marijuana and even uh, in a few states recreational marijuana. But there is this one problem, and that is the Federal Controlled Substances Act explicitly bars possession, use, distribution, and sale of marijuana. Mm -hmm. So, like it or not, Congress declared that marijuana is dangerous and should be banned mm -hmm. uh, after the Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of that law. Uh, uh, the Attorney General, who was then Eric Holder, he said, never mind the law. Americans should just mellow out and uh, do what they wish, notwithstanding the law. Uh, so some sort of a irony with him saying that people should mellow out and yeah. smoke marijuana. Uh, unbelievable. So, so what justification does the president have for selective enforcement of our laws? Well, they always cite enforcement priorities, limited resources, mm. um, and there's something to that. Uh, but as a practical matter, uh, federal prosecutors simply don't prosecute marijuana cases. Mm -hmm. It's not limited resources. Now, I understand that the resources are sometimes limited, and some crimes do deserve more enforcement than other crimes. But the president can't make a blanket declaration that he won't enforce a series of laws that he doesn't like. So he and the attorney general effectively decriminalized an entire class of narcotics. Mm -hmm. Imagine if the administration decided to decriminalize securities fraud simply by decreeing that there won't be any prosecutions. Now, you know, my view, and we've talked about this in the past, marijuana should be perfectly legal. Yeah. But there's a right way to do it and a wrong way. Yeah. The right way <laughs> is to modify the Controlled Substances Act. The president did it the wrong way. Just change the law by executive edict and mm -hmm. pretend that the law was never enacted. And, you know, and that, in a sense, became kind of a predicate for uh, what's happening now with people like Alvin Bragg and this attorney in uh, Washington, D.C., Graves' his name is, that uh, just ignores the law and uh, decides selectively which laws to enforce, and mainly force, uh, in Graves' case, fo focusing on the January 6th people. Yeah, and, of course, there's a real problem when that decision about selective enforcement is, <clears throat> at base, political. And that's what we've seen happen. 
the enforcement of the laws <clears throat> is rigorous when it comes to one political party and not so much when it comes to another. Yeah. That's a particularly large danger in this country. It certainly is. So let's uh, move to foreign policy, Bob. What's the constitutional framework for executive uh, powers? <clears throat> well, this is an area where the president understandably <clears throat> has some more discretion. His authority uh, in foreign affairs includes, uh, most importantly, the power to, to wage war <clears throat> as commander-in-chief. But that uh, that power has its limits. Mm -hmm. uh, first, it's, a, it's about waging war and not about declaring war. Declaring war is Congress's job. And second, uh, the Constitution also gives Congress, not the President, the power to make rules for the government <coughs> and regulation of the mm -hmm. land and naval forces. And then finally, war requires money, and it's Congress that retains the power of the purse. So the President does have extra authority in this area, but not complete authority. That's so interesting. Has Congress tried to assert its own authority on this? Yeah, Congress passed the War Powers Act back in 1973. <clears throat> you know, this was over a veto by, uh, by uh, Nixon. So under the, the War Powers Act, military action is authorized only if there's a declaration of war, some other statutory authorization, or an attack on U.S. interests. And in the, in the last case, if there is an attack, then the president has to notify Congress within 48 hours mm. about his commitment of war <clears throat> measures, and then he has to withdraw all forces within 60 days unless Congress gives its consent. So that was the War Powers Act. So interesting. It doesn't seem like that's being enforced either. Indeed. Bob Levy again, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute, the website. Check it out. It's really interesting. Cato.org. C-A-T-O.org. Bob, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much, Bob. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University Wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. 
You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policies. They prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in state legislatures. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josepha Savaz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Andy, we always start off with some good news. Uh, you have any good news for us today? Well, this is uh, good news for me. You know, uh, through our years together, that I'm very concerned always with, with cultural change and, and cultural uh, issues. So uh, this is not going to seem important, perhaps, to much of your audience, but to me, it indicates a significant cultural movement. Uh, and here's what I want to talk about. Netflix has a new documentary out called Queen Cleopatra. Now, this is the lowest rated sh- uh, movie in the history of Rotten Tomatoes. The lowest rated. <laughs> now, what does that mean? The, the uh, creator of that series, a woman named Tina Garvey, uh, said, why shouldn't Cleopatra be a melanated sister? And why do some people need Cleopatra to be white? Well, actually, Tina, no one needs Cleopatra to be white. She is white. Now, yeah. I, I don't care whether she's white or anything else, obviously, Bob. But what I do care about is that the audience cared about that, and that includes a significant number of, 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 of African Americans. So this show is being rejected because it, uh, uh, it intrudes on history. It would be somewhat like Brad Pitt playing the role of Martin Luther King. Yeah. You know, just an absurdity. And I think finally the audiences. Uh, are beginning to see this kind of woke intrusion on their lives, Bob. So, I mean, this kind of is a, a t- takes a page out of the out of the uh, Bud Light book, doesn't it? In other words, the people are rejecting the product because of its uh, wokeness. Well, I think that's what we're seeing. And now, again, I uh, I'm not rooting against anyone. I'm I'm just really saying that Americans. Uh, at this point, seem to have had enough with all this stuff. And by the way, it's not just Bud Light. Miller Light is also uh, receiving a lot of negative uh, uh, hits because of uh, a commercial they had run that uh, uh, I won't go into the details of it. They're actually fairly disgusting, the details. Yeah. Uh, but again, the Miller Light's taking a hit also. So I think Americans are, are pretty much pretty much fed up with all of this stuff, Bob. I agree with that. Any other good news? Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting story coming out of Canada, which I just picked up um, uh, recently. Uh, there's a group in, in Alberta, Canada, an advocacy group, which is advocating that Alberta break off from Canada and become part of the United States, its 51st state. Now, uh, good news, I, I don't know, but what it shows again is essentially a, a disgruntlement with with uh, intrusive governments. Now, of course, they're going to come down here if that ever happens, and they'll find approximately the same thing. <laughs> but right now, they see the Canadian government as being so intrusive, one-fifth of all Canadians 
would prefer that they be a part of the United States at this point. So again, I think it's an indication that uh, that the people are being uh, uh, abused by their governments and they want to take action. So I think that's what we're seeing in Alberta, Canada. It's not the United States, obviously. But again, I think it's an indication of the mindset of people in, in general. They do not like the government intruding on them, as ours does, and certainly as the Canadian government does. Uh, you know, I, and, and I'll respond to that by saying that, you know, they don't have the First Amendment rights that we have constitutionally here in the United States. In other words, what I'm suggesting is that the, uh, having a, an appropriate uh, construct for exactly how we're to be ruled and uh, how, what the rules are, I think it's just really important. And, uh, you know, when <laughs> right now the, the uh, parliament and the prime minister have way too much power in terms of uh, people's individual freedoms in Canada. Well, I think qualitatively you're obviously correct. I mean, by law, uh, there is a significant <clears throat> difference between Canada's uh, laws in these areas, uh, uh, protection of freedom of speech and so forth, uh, that, uh, as compared to the United States. On the other hand, I think we are still acting in a manner outside of our laws in many cases. Absolutely. But again, I think the general issue, and my, my point is, uh, I am always pleased when it seems that people are, are, are cutting through the nonsense and, and getting to the core issue. And I think the core issue is uh, inappropriately the inappropriate intrusions of government, Bob. Absolutely, and it's certainly happening here as well. So, uh, uh, oh. Wait, I got more good news. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I just was uh, reading this morning, as a matter of fact, that uh, Governor DeSantis is sending some personnel to the Texas border. I think yep. that's good news. Uh, he's sending a thousand, which includes eight hundred National Guards and and some administrative troops. So I'm I'm glad to see Ron DeSantis uh, acting uh, in that manner. Uh, what may seem a contradictory piece of good news, I'm going to claim it's good news, uh, that right now uh, Donald Trump, uh, even after the Carroll episode with his, uh, his being uh, c uh, convicted of that uh, civil charge in the Carroll incident, has increased his lead over DeSantis. That he's now up to 61% in a recent poll as compared to Governor DeSantis at 18%. Now, many people, I mean, you know I advocate a, a Trump presidency, and I'm, I don't want to see uh, Governor DeSantis enter the primary. That's just, and I know we disagree on that. Uh, but again, I hope these kind of numbers will persuade uh, Governor DeSantis not to enter this primary. I think it will damage him, and I think it will also damage, uh, damage President Donald Trump. And just one more before we move on. Uh, the World Meteorological Organization, the UN's agency that monitors weather and climate, uh, has recently issued a dire prediction. Now, this is the dire prediction, Bob. It sees a 66% likelihood of global average temperatures exceeding 1.5 degrees centigrade for at least one year during that period in between now and, and, uh, and, and 27. So this is the dire prediction coming out of the WEMO. If that is their dire prediction, then, uh, my goodness, I think that we're, we're, we're on pretty sound ground, Bob. Well, it's funny. I'm, as, I'm, as you're speaking, I'm looking at a piece from the Free Press. Uh, satellite data, no global warning for the past eight years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so, uh, it can be so easily documented. And uh, if they're, ta they're talking about in these numbers uh, since the, the pre-industrial age. So we're going back to, I guess they would establish a point someplace around uh, 1775 to, to, to 1800 as the start of the industrial age. So we're, we're talking in that time period. Uh, of course, there are natural uh, 
uh, meteorological events that occurred during this period. Uh, so these kind of, of cherry-picking numbers, and again, as you're pointing out, the, uh, the most recent data that you're, you're citing, which shows absolutely no increase over the last eight years, I, I think puts to, uh, puts to lie their, their general, at least their scare tactics. Uh, at, at least that much can be put to lie, Bob. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, f- during uh, uh, when uh, Washington uh, had his famous uh, trip across the river, Delaware River, I believe it was, uh, he that was be- the end of the Little Ice Age. And so but there began to be- have some global warming. fact of the matter is, about every 40,000 years, we have another complete ice age. And it's likely in the next 20,000 years, we'll have... Uh, six miles of ice, a sheet of, of ice over <laughs> over the United well, States you know, of America. Look, I, we, as we pointed out uh, several times over the past few years, the uh, the most significant periods of human progress have been ones that have been uh, delineated by increased temperature. Right, uh, and that w- that was true during the uh, the highlight, the high day of the uh, the Roman Empire. It, it, it certainly was was true uh, for for most of human history. Whenever temperatures have increased, marginally, of course. Uh, human progress has been at its most substantial levels. When temperatures have dropped during the Little Ice Age, as you're pointing out, that has been periods of deteriorating human progress. So even, Bob, even if they're right about all this, which they're not, yeah. but even if they're right, uh, the the likelihood is that these numbers uh, that they're citing will be positives, and as you're pointing out consistently, uh, this is going to improve the, the the global green areas uh, and certainly be be beneficial in general for food production. Absolutely, I'm sure that the the whole issue of global warming should be decoupled from the whole notion of carbon dioxide creating it. It may be a cause we don't know, but it has never been proven. And I wish they'd stop promoting this and to go uh, doing all kinds of stupid, crazy things with our, with regard to energy as a result. Well, here's what we do know. I mean, there's so many things we do know. The most significant <clears throat> greenhouse gas is water vapor. Yeah. I believe the number is 95% of the, uh, the what they call the greenhouse gases, those gases that keep the, the heat at the, at the planetary level. Uh, 95% of that is water vapor. Uh, of the 5% remaining, uh, 95% of the carbon dioxide is produced naturally by the planet in its natural uh, geologic and meteorological function. So here we have 95% water vapor. Of the 5% remaining, 95% of that is produced naturally. And yet we're asked to believe that the rather insignificant human contributions to this uh, anthropomorphically are going to dramatically affect the climate, uh, and, and certainly a start out with, with temperatures. Uh, so, I mean, just the concept is uh, scientifically absurd, and I think that can be can be documented far more readily than their position can. Buddy. Absolutely, Andy. Andy, we need to just take a little break and just stick around. I'll be here, buddy. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. 
You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. Some great plays going on right now. And uh, you can find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Also get tickets, uh, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be here, Bob. Well, recently we've seen some new names popping up in the news. Among them, Bill Barr. What are your thoughts? Well, Bill Barr over the last few years has become one of my least favorite uh, characters in the in the Washington uh, list of unfavorite characters. Yeah. Uh, his his most recent uh, comments have dealt with uh, with President <coughs> Trump. Uh, he's he's uh, made it part of his obligation, as he sees it, as being a former Attorney General, to consistently go after Trump. His most recent comment is uh, about Trump. He says he does not have the ability for strategic thinking and linear thinking or setting priorities or how to get things done in the system, he would deliver chaos, and if anything lead to a backlash, that will set his policies much further back than they otherwise would be. Uh, he's talking about he's, he can't get the things done in the system. He may be correct. Yeah. Uh, if he is uh, suggesting that Trump is not going to work with the deep state, certainly that is true and necessary. So the, the absurdity of suggesting that he should work in a corrupted system uh, is, just, is just ridiculous. Barr, as he always does with Trump, totally ignores the the impact that Trump made with his nonlinear thinking and his inability to get things done, his his Middle East uh, peace progress in the Abraham Accords, uh, his securing of borders, uh, his economic uh, prosperity, enhanced national security, uh, all of these things and more were done apparently with this man that Barr suggests is not is not going to be or could not be an effective leader. So we're looking at Barr again as being uh, that naysayer. Uh, I think he came in as a 
uh, a devotee of, of George W. Bush, where he was first attorney general, and I think he carried his mindset uh, directly into that. If we look at what Barr has done himself, uh, he buried the Hunter laptop story. Yep. He turned a, a, a blind eye to the uh, to the massive election fraud and to Antifa uh, violence. He had put no pressure on Durham to uh, accelerate this, the, this disclosure in the Russian hoax investigation. So here we have Barr, who, in my estimation, even in his capacity as attorney general, has failed in almost everything he did. And yet he finds the time, being out of office now, to attack Donald Trump, whose accomplishments can be well-documented and measured by. Yeah, he's part of the deep state. I mean, part of the Republican Party, uh, the rhinos, who basically want to go do the same thing as the Democrats, only slower. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what, in my opinion, you have to look out for these guys. And, and you're absolutely right. All the things that he doesn't like about uh, Trump, that's those are the things that I like. He is a disruptor. And we need disruption right now because the system is badly broken. Well, I mean, look, there is something seriously damaged in terms of the way Barr processes information uh, and, and comes to conclusions. And uh, unfortunately, you know, he... he projects this appearance of being a, a jolly-looking old grandfather type or something like that. And uh, On the other hand, I think he has a vicious nature to him, and he has a, uh, has a serious problem with his understanding of morality. So, uh, you know, those are my personal comments, obviously. But yeah. uh, the man over the past, past few years has certainly earned those views that I have of him, in my estimation. Bob. Yeah. So what do you think of the Durham report? Uh, <laughs> I, I've got such mixed feelings that um, that uh, yeah. okay. Let, let me just let me just talk about it, which is uh, obviously what we should be doing today. Uh, the Durham report, I think, is doing very little more than, and I'm not diminishing it when I say very little more. He's confirming what the vast majority of us knew right. uh, prior to the release of of his report. Uh, I think he is uh, he's he's documented, and I think that's an important thing to document these things. Uh, and I think that uh, what he's done within this report, uh, as Judicial Watch pointed out, uh, who did uh, Durham expose as having known about this collusion hoax? Uh, he confirmed that Obama knew, Clinton knew, Biden knew, Comey, yeah. Brennan, McCabe, Strzok, Clapper, Schiff, the FBI, the DOJ. So, I mean, those are significant confirmations that, uh, that, that Durham has, has brought uh, to the public's uh, attention, at least the, the public that cares about it. And I think those are very important things to do. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I, uh, I'm discouraged in, in, this, in a like manner to how I was discouraged when, when Comey uh, listed all of the problematic issues uh, as it pertained to Hillary Clinton's servers and then said, well, that's the end of it. Essentially, this is, uh, as far as what Durham has done, this seems to be the end of it. Uh, he has, he has suggested, in my, in my interpretation, that this is almost uh, an accidental or a, a matter of incompetence or lack of concern. All, I think, are erroneous positionings on this. I think what has happened is an intentional conspiracy across a wide expanse of the federal government yep. to damage President Trump and support at that time the presidential candidacy of, of Hillary Clinton. I think these were, were crimes of the highest order. 
Uh, I'm reluctant to use the word treason in most cases, but I think what took place were obviously, in my mind again, acts of treason, and I think they have to be documented in a much more stern fashion than Durham was willing to do, Bob. Yeah, I think I think what I'm hearing is that uh, the report, you appreciate the accuracy and what was delivered, but there's no accountability. In other words, the things continue without anybody paying a price uh, for their crimes. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm hoping that the House and particularly Jim Jordan will uh, will follow up on this and uh, and understand the the incredible significance of this. Uh, I think we can say it uh, to use the, uh, the the vernacular of the moment. This is a pack of liars in Washington yeah. uh, that have tried to uh, transform this country uh, into their own politicized image, right. and they've done so at the expense first of Donald Trump, obviously. And I think also we have to understand that I mean, Donald Trump uh, has been totally vindicated by the by the confirmation of what he was always seeing and being and being attacked for stating the truth, as has been true across his entire career. Yeah. Uh, he he utters the truth. He's attacked for it. He's rebutted and humiliated for it. And then time as time goes on, uh, the truth is uh, in agreement with Donald Trump. This is another example of that, and I think that is uh, that is good for America. Certainly, I, certainly good for Donald Trump in this case. You know, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, filed uh, impeachment or articles of impeachment against Christopher Wray yesterday, uh, as well as the uh, Washington attorney uh, Graves, uh, which I, I just really applaud what she's doing here. It just to me, it just, I think hopefully it will put the fear of God in some of these people that if they're going to break the law, they're going to have a, a price to pay. Well, I, I'm sorry, maybe I missed it. What are you suggesting the price is they should pay, Bob? Impeachment. Uh... Oh, impeachment. Yes, you said that at the beginning, yeah. No, I, I think there has to be something more significant than this. I've been uh, picking up on the the left's commentary on this and uh, rebuttal, as, as it might be, uh, and they're they're just uh, dismissing it as a, uh, as a as a as a nothing piece, something that uh, has no significance. And by the way, if it just ends here, I think they're perfectly correct that the piece is significant in, unto itself. Absolutely. But again, in terms of the implication of it, unless something happens as a result of it, you're suggesting impeachment, uh, and that might be a legitimate course of action, uh, but something has to happen. This, these, these coordinated actions, and for somebody to suggest that this was not conspiratorial, when we're looking at the list of names and organizations that all were complicit in this hoax, obviously it had to be conspiratorial, Bob. Absolutely. Andy, we've got to take another break. Can you stick around? Uh, I'll be here. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 
Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Luke Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center is serving not only a great breakfast or lunch, but now, between 4 and 8 p.m., a wonderful dinner as well. We've enjoyed it for a couple of weeks, and it's uh, Richie, the chef, does a great job. So if you like a nice, casual experience, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesday through Saturday, at the... Uh, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We continue the conversation with Andy Joppa. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. My favorite place to be, Bob. Yeah, it is, isn't it? We're going to have breakfast there <laughs> soon. We're looking forward to it. So uh, we've got other things going on in the news. What's on your mind? Well, this is somewhat an extension of our discussion uh, on the Durham uh, report, uh, and it deals with the fact that most of your audience uh, is probably aware that an IRS whistleblower uh, had come forward to claim the investigation of uh, of Hunter Biden's taxes uh, had been corrupted, and basically within the same bias that uh, that was shown in the targeting of Trump uh, and supporting of Clinton in the uh, in the 2016 campaign. So this whistleblower came forward unidentified uh, at this point. Now, at this point, the IRS has axed has removed. The entire team, including the whistleblower, unidentified, uh, from the investigation uh, of Hunter Biden's alleged tax fraud. Uh, so here we have a situation uh, where the whistleblower, the person that has obviously made it clear that they're willing to identify the uh, the problems that existed, the fraud that existed in terms of, of Hunter Biden's laptop, that whole uh, that person and the whole team around that person have been removed from the investigation. Uh, it seems rather obvious that, uh, that uh, Merrick Garland lied to, uh, to uh, the Congress when he indicated that there was no e- uneven handling uh, of the matter in the Hunter Biden laptop situation. This whistleblower makes it clear that the focus was biased, driven by political concerns, almost exclusively in how that was handled. And now, with the removal of his team, uh, that further deepens that, uh, that bias, Bob. You know, uh, Merrick Garland, he likes to suggest that he has an even hand in justice, but, you know, his actions speak low loudly, like, so loudly we can't hear a word he's saying. I mean, that, that old uh, saying just comes true because it, it, there are two systems of justice right now, and it's really appalling. Well, the, 
Actually, that's that's an oxymoron. If you have two systems of justice, you don't have any justice at all. That's right. So, uh, you know, that that's just, just the reality of it. I think all, all tyrannical nations, Nazi Germany and Stalin's Russia, they all had... Uh, justice and of course in all of them it was a it was a two-tier system of justice so you know the fact that though there is justice as they would have it being applied in uh, in very focused situations for their political purpose uh, is an indication of the lack of justice not the existence of it that's exactly right andy so uh with regard to the irs uh, where do we go from here well, there's uh, every indication that the House is going to investigate exactly what happened initially with the Hunter Biden laptop and the IRS. And there's a secondary issue, maybe the primary issue, depending how they approach it, uh, but why this uh, whistleblower was removed from the investigatory process and their entire team. So I know that uh, these, there's a lot of suggestions that the House uh, has to get involved. We're running out of time. You know, we're almost... Uh, up uh, I guess a quarter way through the, the the present Congress's term in office. So you know, there's not a lot of time left as we hit the uh, the presidential primary year in 23. So I think they have to start taking action on these issues now because they're going to get buried in the immediate future. Bob, uh, that's so true. I I, I give high marks to uh, Kevin McCarthy so far and uh, how he's performed. Uh, with an, on a number of fronts, and certainly the, the uh, legislation that he's managed to pass, it's great, and the progress in the committees. But we do need to see some resolution and some action as a result of everything that's been found. Well, I think another good news story would be we have McCarthy as Speaker, not, uh, not Boehner. Another good news story is we have Garland as the Attorney General and not on the Supreme Court. So th- those are, <laughs> are good news stories in passing, Bob. Absolutely. Again, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, your commentary is always spot on. I really appreciate your contribution to the show here. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Bob, and I'll see you soon. All right. Thank you, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We've got a great guest coming up tomorrow. Pastor Rick Stevens will be joining us. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. He'll be joining us. Uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, always entertaining and interesting commentary. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. I just really appreciate his insight and commentary. Uh, now that he's not in office, he's <laughs> not so political in how he looks at the thing at things here in on the Paradise Coast. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you'll tell your friends. And uh, when you do that, uh, it, uh, it certainly rewards our advertisers. We couldn't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>